Hi there, and thank you for joining us. On this week's Red Business, we have come to one of the coolest buildings in all of Cork. Not cool for how it looks, although it's a very attractive building, but it's what goes on inside this building on Dyke Parade that makes it all the more interesting. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. And the building in question is the Tyndall Institute. Lots of exciting things, all cutting edge, high levels of education, and big business. There's lots to talk about within these walls, but to begin with and to give me a little bit of an overview of all that goes on here, I'm joined by Donica O'Reardon, who is the Executive Director of MCCI. Now, Donica, you're very welcome to Red Business, first of all. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Tell us a little bit about MCCI. That is one of the divisions operating within Tyndall, is that right? That's right, yeah. So MCCI is a hosted centre in in Tyndall. It's one of uh, a number of different centres um, that are hosted here and we're, our focus is on microelectronics research, so semiconductors and the design of um, uh, future semiconductors. Now, you see, the thing is, I'm already going, because the thing about what goes on here is it's all very high-end stuff. So let's talk about the practical applications of what you do here. What, what do you do and how does it impact all of our lives? So, I mean, microelectronics is, is, is cuts across everything we do. If it's plugged in or powered on and there are electrons flowing, um, the microelectronic circuits are behind that. So your phone, your microphone here today, the car you drove in on, your appliances at home, the little microchips that are inside in all of those appliances, that's microelectronics. And, and our role here is the, is the, is the design, I guess, of, of those. When you think about computing, you think about all that kind of stuff. Everything used to be huge. Now everything is tiny, to the point at which a lot of what you're doing in terms of design and manufacture and the theory of it, we're talking at the microscopic level at this point, aren't we? Yes, indeed. So nanometers, right? So you touched on what's known as Moore's Law there. So Moore's Law um, has basically driven our industry and driven the scaling and the miniaturization that you spoke about. Uh, probably for the last 50 years. Um, and, and that's basically, you know, Moore's Law said that the, the size halves every 18 months and the performance doubles every 18 months, the cost halves every 18 months, right? Um, and that's been a feature of semiconductors and of microelectronics, you know, like I said, for the last 50 years. And that's why you've got devices now that are uh, in your pocket that are more powerful than some of the computers that sent a man to the moon, you know, years ago. When you think about this kind of thing, you'd go... Asia. This is this is the kind of stuff that's designed in Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong. They're all at the cutting edge of this. But it's somewhat surprising to hear a lot of that cutting edge technology is pioneered in a building in the centre of Cork City. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a global industry, right? It's a $400 billion uh, global industry and the supply chain is complex. There's a lot of manufacturing done in Asia. There's a lot of design done in the Western world. Um, but that, even that's changing. So manufacturing is moving from east to west again, and, and design is moving from west to east. So it's a, it's a, it's a complex supply chain, and it's, it's truly global. Big business, but to feed that business, you need bodies. And, and that's where the link with Tyndall and UCC comes in. Who have you got passing through this building? Who have you got working for you? 
Exactly. So MCCI was set up in 2010 um, in response to basically an industry need. So in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, mid-2000s, industry um, recognised, I guess, that we weren't producing enough graduates in the sector. So electrical, electronic engineering graduates. Um, we weren't producing enough of them. And the research that was being done in the universities in Ireland wasn't particularly well aligned with what industry were looking for. So MCCI was set up to address that Firstly, to align the research that is being done with what industry need and what industry are looking for. So, I mean, if you take, um, if, you, if you think of fundamental blue sky research um, and, and on a scale from that to very applied research, we're more at the applied end, right? So it's, it's, it's industry aligned and it's applicable to what industry are looking for. Um, so, so we were set up to 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 address that. It's 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 graduate production to a degree, right? So we're 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 educating, training um, the next generation, I guess, of of graduates in the sector. Everybody looks for the next big thing. You know, what is going to be the next big thing? The iPhone, the prime example. Somehow we managed to get a lot of tech into a phone. All the type of microelectronics you're talking about. Yeah. You know, do do you come to work every day going? I wonder will we find the next big thing today, or will somebody within the building find the next big thing? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do. You 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 can certainly think like that. I mean, the next big thing or the next wave, if you want, um, is is you know the Internet of Things is maybe a term that's certainly been around in technology circles for a number of years. Maybe not so much in the public domain. Um, but if you think of you know the internet initially connecting computers together, the second wave was connecting people together and your social media apps and all that. The, the next upcoming wave and, and where we'll see it is the internet of things where things are connected together and things are uh, connected and talking to each other and working for us without the need for us to get involved. It's both terrifying and exciting at the same time. Do we want that much information? And we've seen with the internet there is an ability to overload with too much information. Could technology be the solution there with artificial intelligence, not evil cyborg artificial intelligence, but something that would be able to sift through all the information that becomes available and maybe turn it into something useful for the humans on the other side? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. AI, there's, there's, depends on how it's used, just like everything else, right? Um, but I think the opportunity and where the, the direction of the research is going really is about um, making life easier, Right, making what we do more efficient. So some of the areas we're working in, for example, in, in, in the med tech space, it's about new technology that, to make our, our lives better, to, to expand, extend our, our lifetimes, to make the quality of life that we have uh, better. In, in, in smart agri, for example, it's about food production, it's about food security um, and, uh, and applying technology to, um, uh, to, to make that efficient and, and to, to basically um, uh, cope with, I guess, the population growth and, and everything else. How small are we going to go? I mean, you, you talked about the, the rocket that brought the man to the moon or the big clunky stuff they'd used, and then we've got stuff that's in our phones and, and our microphones. Not that anyone listening has a microphone apart from me, but how small do we go and how powerful will they get, do you think? So it's a great question, right, because I mentioned Moore's Law earlier and, and the scaling. And, you love that fellow Moore. He's been mentioned yeah, twice over. Yeah, so I won't mention him again, right, but... Um, <laughs> We, we, we have spent, you know, 50 odd years uh, scaling down and getting to um, uh, smaller and smaller geometries. And we're at a point now where we're at the physical limits of, of how small it can get. But that hasn't changed your expectation of technology and the performance you want next year and the year after and the cost you're willing to pay for it next year and the year after. So it's 
possibly one of the most exciting times to be working in this sector because what has driven us for the last 50 years isn't going to drive us for the next 10 or 20 years. So we are coming up with alternates to that. So it's new architectures and new approaches and new techniques and so on um, to keep delivering what the industry has delivered over the last 50 years, but doing so in a different way. So it's, it's, now, it's now really about um, uh, uh, new designs and, and new approaches um, rather than um, letting or, or having manufacturing and scaling deliver the performance for us. When you think of the building we're in, the Tyndall Institute on, on Dyke Parade, around the corner is the Mercy Hospital, which I think is 150-odd years old. And when that opened, medicine was very raw and primitive, kind of, you know, crack it open, see what's going on, and hopefully we'll stick it back together. But the technology that's there now proves how much that life has changed, for the better, for the most part, in that 150 years. I don't know what was going on on this site, but do you sometimes wonder what's going to be happening in another 150 years? Where could this all bring us? Yeah, potentially. Well, I think 150 years ago, this site was a brewery. Um, it was originally a, a brewery. Um, so, uh, uh, um, I mean, I, it's hard to say where you're going to be in, in the next 100 years. We've probably got a 10 to 20 year horizon that we're thinking of and, and the problems that we're, we're, we're looking at solving. You mentioned the mercy and in, in medtech, I mean, what we're doing in, in MCCI in, in the medtech space is uh, developing um, solutions, I guess, like I said, th- that enables practitioners to develop new therapies and apply technology to um, addressing, um, you know, some of the, the um, um, problems people have, I guess, or, or ailments, etc. Well, keep it up because I might end up having an ailment that needs a good bit of tech that might have been developed by the MCCI. Donico Reardon, Executive Director of the MCCI here at Gentle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jonathan. Pleasure. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business, improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com. So what about the business that comes out of Tyndall? Well, I'm delighted to be joined now by someone who has an extremely posh title. He is the entrepreneur in residence, Declan O'Mahony. Is that the title you've been going for for all of your career, Declan? Uh, Not really, no. (laughs) Explain to me what the entrepreneur in residence does. We've tried to come up with various titles for the role. Um, my role with, with, with Tyndall is to, I'm not a, I'm not, I, while I am an engineer by background, I'm not a, a techie like we have here in, in Tyndall. I'm not a full-time uh, member of the team here either. I spend a number of days a month with them. I have other things going on as well. And I come in here and I sit down with the engineers and I discuss with them the technology from a business point of view and from a reality point of view and try to get them to explain things in a manner that they could explain to investors or to their mother and try to put some sense around it in a way that we can explain it. And, and it. But more particularly to try to see whether we can find a way to create a market for what they have, because they have some amazing technology in here. And it's marrying that technology with customers is what we're trying to achieve. That's my role. I, look, that's one of the main things with the communications business that I have as well, trying to get people to explain it in language that... Yeah. others understand and in the context of what goes on within these walls that's hard because you're dealing with physicists you're dealing with people working with micro technology mm. they live in a different world mm. do, but they're still human and they still are consumers so uh, do you eventually make the breakthrough and that they they get it then yeah i mean we we've got some ama- this facility here is just the most amazing facility for developing base core technologies People drive past outside here every day. 
They don't realize anything what's going on in here. This is just the most incredible place. There are some of the best people in the world in their in their uh, areas of expertise. They're globally recognized. They're rock stars. And yet they're working on things like um, uh, material sciences that can generate more, uh, make your cell phone last longer, for example, or to play your video back faster or to make it look more crisp or to make it look brighter or that you can see you can read your iPhone in bright sunlight. Underlying the core of all those technologies and stuff that these guys are working on here in the microelectronics groups and the nanotechnology groups and the photonics groups. And so the, it's that basic technology that has then gone on and licensed or, or sold into various startups or various uh, major multinationals that creates these products. So if you look at the, if you look at these major things that we're all familiar with, um, uh, podcasts, our Wi-Fi devices, our various kinds of sensors that turn on and off your windscreen wipers or cause your car to break. That technology is actually originating in here on a subatomic scale, tiny, tiny components mm. where they build these amazing things. But they're trying to translate that subatomic information, that microelectronic and nanoscale information to say at some point in the future, this will be a component mm. on some finished product. That's the challenge. Well, see, well, most of us go through our existence going, we, we press the button and it comes on. Or even like when you mentioned making video buffer faster or look crisper, you know, we know we notice it, but we don't yeah. put thought and effort into it. Is in that context, there's a bit of a disconnect, isn't there, between the type of technology we're using and how bloody difficult it is to come up with it. So people in this building probably don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, they don't. They do get tremendous credit from their peers. You know, there are people in various organizations globally who recognize these guys as being global leaders. They're just amazing people, right? But from the normal consumer like you and I in the street, we don't recognize that actually in there someone has actually developed something which has suddenly made my screen brighter or made my Wi-Fi connection better or made my iPhone last a little bit longer. We don't recognize that. But do we, do we ever give those people, I mean, do they make a lot of money, the, the people who make those breakthroughs? Are they just part of a machine that, that constantly has to churn out these things to match that demand? <laughs> That's a great question. So do they make a lot of money? Some of the technology that's spun from here is hugely valuable, and some individuals have spun and licensed technology from here and have made money. Um, and so there's some some tremendous success stories. There's been a number of spin-outs from this uh, this facility. Just in the last 12 to 24 months, there was InfiniLED, which was acquired by Oculus, which is Facebook, um, which has resulted in an enormous investment by that company in Cork. Oh, so they're in the capital. Yeah, and, uh, yeah the, the, the old cinema building. They're, they're up at the top, I believe. Yeah. And just very recently, there was Sensel, which is another spin-out from Tyndall. Um, which was acquired by Ansemi. And, you know, they're, so they're, they're guys who left here 10, 15 years ago and invested their lives and investors backed them, venture capital backed them, and they've been tremendous success. At the same time, the scientists in here who created th that technology, who licensed that technology, they all shared in that success, as did the university. And so everybody shares in it if it's a success at that level. But at the same time, there are other technologies, a lot of them which are licensed to some of the big multinationals here. So, you know, at any one time in this facility here, name any company in the world, any major company in the world, and there's probably people here, somewhere amongst these 400 or so people that are in the building right now. Those guys are here and they're working deeply, secretly with various teams and coming up with technology. So when you look at what Tyndall does for... Ireland Inc. and IDA, this is like a, um, a honeypot 
of technology that all these guys hover around. And my role as the entrepreneur in residence is try to create more spin-outs and try to create new startup companies that can work with those major multinationals, but can also take the IP out of here and create more wealthy people so mm. that we can start it all over again. Now, of course, you didn't lick it off the road. You're an entrepreneur in residence for a reason because you have been through that process on more than one occasion. So like, tell us a little bit about your own background and the companies that you've worked with that went on to become the successes. Yeah, so I, uh, the reason I got involved with Tyndall, um, uh, I started off life as a design engineer, but I wouldn't be of, of the caliber that these guys here are. At, I'm, I can't even stand in well, there. Always, always have people who are better at, at it than you yeah. in any organization for it to be a success. I'm a firm believer in that myself. Yeah, good. Well, <laughs> they, well I definitely needed that. So the, we, I was one of the team that spun out a company called Firecoms, which came out of um, uh, Tyndall in 2002. Um, and we grew that company. We did a lot of business internationally. There were Firecoms components in uh, a lot of cars, Hyundai, Land Rover, Jaguar, these types of things. And there was uh, uh, Firecoms components in a lot of medical devices that you'll be familiar with. That company was acquired by a company called ZJY out of China um, in uh, 2010. And it's gone on to be a very successful Chinese multinational based in Cork. So it's still still here and the team is still there. And I, after that, I also got involved in another business called um, HeartSign Technologies, which made uh, um, public access defibrillators, the kind of stuff you see on the wall outside the post office or outside the school. That was a spin-out from Ulster University. Um, and uh, we grew that business over a peer- period of years and sold that to um, Stryker a couple of years ago. That's now a Stryker business. And is another very successful business. So I've kind of been through the early stage spin out and the fear of failure. I've had a couple of things that I failed at as well, uh, a couple of startups that we did and, and failed at. So I've been through the kind of losing money and losing trust and losing losing nerve, um, and also been lucky and been in the right place at the right time and being able to spin these companies to the point where they were a success. That experience is what I'm bringing back in here now. And I'm able to say to them, here's what might happen. I, I've, I uh, try to nurture relationships with venture capitalists and funders who might be able to bring funding into them. And so it's, uh, that's, that's part of the role. Just to finish up, you must deal with enthusiastic young people mm. who see the world but don't necessarily know their place in it yet. Is it rewarding to see that? Uh, and... How much of an effort is it to convert that enthusiasm into a business? Um, I, I think it's fantastic to see people like that. And, and, you know, we encourage, there's great student outreach here to get students to come in and study here and work here. One of the other things that we're trying to do is we're working with Bank of Ireland and Enterprise Ireland on putting together a, an, an initiative to attract people outside who, they may be in industry, they may be, an old fogey like me or they may be some young fella who's just out of, out of his PhD or out of university or some guy who's just uh, did his leaving cert for, for, for all we know. He wants to do a startup. If he's a commercially minded individual, what we're looking for is guys like that that can come in here and talk to our very techie individuals so that we can create another leg on the stool. We need a three-legged stool. We need a techie, a really solid scientist. We need a financial guy who's done it before and we need someone who's a real sales-driven individual. Those individuals are really great people to find. They're typically not generally within Tyndall. They're outside. They're driving past outside. And we're now going to work with Bank of Ireland 
and Enterprise Ireland and Tyndall were going to invest in a kind of programme to pull those guys in and they're the real guys we're looking for. Well, we look forward to the high-quality stools that continue to come out of Tyndall. Declan O'Mahony, who is the entrepreneur in residence, thank you for joining us. Thank you. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com. Now, my third guest here at the Tyndall Institute is... Brendan O'Flynn, who is with the Connect Centre. Brendan, how are you? I'm great, thank you very much. What is the Connect Centre and what do you do? So the Connect Centre is funded by Science Foundation Ireland and we're developing research in the whole area of the Internet of Things and and from a Tyndall perspective here in Cork and um, some of the other research institutes we're developing low-power consumption smart sensors for the Internet of Things. Now, that all sounds a bit mad, uh, but it is the kind of tech that's creeping into all of our homes, isn't it? Absolutely. So when I say smart sensors, really the, a lot of them are already in existing in the world around us today, and what we're doing is developing the next-generation versions of them. So when you think about the whole area of wearable sensors, they're smart sensors. A lot of them are wireless, and we're developing these types of next-generation wireless smart sensors. Now, of course, the grave fear is that all of this will take us over. I mentioned artificial intelligence earlier on. No chance of the cyborg coming out of Tyndall, is there? Certainly not out of Tyndall. My colleague, uh, Barry O'Sullivan, um, a professor in UCC, is part of the Insight Centre, and his speciality is the whole area of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I've asked him that same question, and, and he seems quite confident. Well, of course, a cork cyborg would be the best kind of cyborg, but we'll try and avoid the whole conversation. How important is it that we have a good flow of engineering graduates out of UCC and indeed other universities and educational facilities in this country if Ireland is to maintain the level it's at and get better. Yes, so for me that's really, really critical. The supply of really high-class engineering and science graduates into the the research ecosystem in Ireland is is really important. So in in Tyndall, we focus very much on postgraduate training and postgraduate education. So we love when enthusiastic young undergraduates from science and engineering come to us to do a master's project or a research project. We have lots of internships there to help train the young scientists of the future to develop high-quality research outputs. When you think about a scientist and a physicist, there's something that, you know, automatically assumes a bloke with a, ja- with a white coat on and little round glasses. But it's more than that, isn't it? You've got a big diversity when it comes to the staff that are here and the graduates. So I think the best thing to do is for your listeners to come to us on Culture Night. We're going to open up Tyndall to the general population and they can come and see these young scientists in action and make up their own minds. But certainly we're, we're not a boring crowd. And the big thing is, is, is making sure that more women take up the mantle when it comes to this because there there would have been a perception a long time ago that physics is is male dominated and therefore you didn't have the engineers coming through are they coming through now yeah certainly they're starting to women in stem or women in science technology engineering and maths is really really important and it's a it's a big driver for us in the university to have a, an equal number of female to to male ratios and we're doing everything we can to increase the gender diversification. Just speaking personally and and anecdotally, some of my best researchers and postgraduate students are women and uh, I think they really add a lot to the the research community. Well look, there's a new intake coming into UCC in another few weeks having done the Leaving Cert, but to the the parents, most likely there'll be no young people listening to this, but to the parents who do listen to this, how do you go about encouraging somebody to take it on? Because if you think, if you think about the end product, that's very exciting for, for young people. 
But trying to get them interested in the bit that happens in the middle that gets it to the end product is a little trickier. How, what advice would you give to somebody if, if they wanted to encourage maybe someone who's shown a little bit of aptitude uh, towards maths and physics to take up a career? Well, as a parent myself of both um, both genders, so I have daughters and sons, um, I would encourage parents to make it sound interesting and to ensure that there isn't the stereotypical image of a, a boring scientist in their mind when they think of a career in science and engineering. So my children are fortunate to see the really interesting work I do. So I work with experts in the sports science arena, developing wearable systems. I'm starting to work in a Science Foundation-funded project called Vista Milk, working with dairy farmers and looking at the whole area of milk. I work with civil engineers in the whole areas of factories of the future and integrating smart sensors into the factories of the future. So my kids are really lucky that they get to see all the really interesting things that I do. They see that every project is different. They see how stimulated and, and enthusiastic I am. And if that, those same opportunities are given to um, children in other families through outreach programs that are being driven out of the Science Foundation Ireland funded projects, I think that's a, a very good start. As somebody who immerses themselves in that kind of technology and the Internet of Things, do you still ever, do you turn off? I mean, do you love going for a walk up a tall hill where you mightn't get a mobile phone reception or maybe, I know we were talking about boats before you came in, going off on a boat where you don't have connectivity? So, so one of my favourite places to be is on a very, very quiet mooring down in West Cork. I won't say where it is for fear somebody puts up a Vodafone mask there because it, there is very, very little cell phone or, or mobile phone coverage out there. And it is absolutely great to get away and to have that little bit of peace and quiet and solitude. And I think it is very, very important that people do achieve a work-life balance and do get that bit of downtime away from the working environment. Brendan O'Flynn of the Connect Centre here at Tyndall. Thank you so much for joining us at Red Business. Thank you very much. So that's a little bit of an insight as to what goes on behind the walls of the Tyndall Institute. Thanks to everybody who's been so hospitable here. If you want to find out more, you can visit the website tyndall.ie or indeed mcci.ie. My thanks to Donica, to Declan and to Brendan. Neve Hennessy, as always, was the producer. Don't forget, you can download the entire series of Red Business from iTunes and we'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com.